Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guest today is Amy Nicholas. Amy is the founder and CEO of Nicholas Marketing and PR, a full-service marketing agency with a heavy focus on digital marketing and product development. Her skill set in sales, marketing, and media relations has led her to have interviews on international television, to work at CBS and Clear Channel, and to be the former host of the podcast Full-Time with Amy Nicholas. Amy is also an entrepreneur, not just from a marketing standpoint, but she is the creator of Doodle Mask, a children's PPE mask that kids can decorate and color. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Amy. Thank you for having me. Hi, Emily. I'm so excited that we finally get to sit down and do this. I've been following your journey with Doodle Mask online a little bit, but I would love to hear all about that. Can we start with that? Sure, we can start with that. We at Nicholas Marketing take a lot of pride in helping our clients develop products all the way from naming, you know, they might have an idea, we might have an idea, but we help them bring that to fruition. Mm-hmm. With everything going on with COVID and the masks that were so restrictive and my kids were not feeling it. And I'm like, you know, they should make it fun. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I do this for everybody else. You know, I make other companies profitable and help them come up with the ideas. And I know how to do all the stuff that needs to be done. So why not try it out? So we developed the product, sourced it and brought it in. It's been distributed into two different box chains and it's being sold online right now. There's been a, a really good response to it, actually. So, you know, I know a lot of people don't like having to wear masks and especially kids. And unfortunately, that's kind of our reality right now. But my feeling was just like, can we at least make it fun? Can we at least yeah. well, you can't show your face? So, you know, that's how people express themselves. So let's find another way to let people figure out a way to do that. So. Can you explain the mask to us? What does it look like and what does it yeah. do? It's a fully adjustable, reusable mask. It's really good quality mask. They have you know the little buttons on the sides, the nose pinching area so that can fit snugly around the face. Mm-hmm. And then there's different designs that have been created for kids. So like a princess design, a sports design, there's galaxy, there's, there's a bunch of different designs to choose from. And they come in packs of either four or two. And mm-hmm. it comes with washable markers. So because they're reusable, by the way, you can mm-hmm. actually color them and they look great. And then you can wash them and you can color them again. So it's not like a one-time thing. So kids have really had a great response to it. And parents really like it, which has been great for me. Because as a parent, you think your kids know everything. Well, no, <laughs> my kids don't know everything. Do you think you know, you know how yeah. your kids are going to react based on what your what your kids are like? So my kids loved it, but it's nice to see that other people are reacting as as well. The pandemic started and everyone started wearing masks and at first, I remember it was kind of even hard to find masks at the beginning. Like you yeah. I knew that people were at, reaching out to me asking if we could help find masks to donate to their organizations and we were trying to help do that. So at what point did you start this process? Was it during that sort of like difficult time of finding masks? It was. It did take a lot to source them and it was a process. So even 
getting them into stores, like between the time of idea all the way into into the store was probably a good, I want to say nine months. Mm-hmm. It was a difficult, you know, it was definitely difficult to get them. And obviously, you know, prices were through the roof. So shopping that and really kind of getting to our sources and getting what we needed. Your background is in product development. So is that how you knew how to do that? Yes. And one of our biggest things was that we wanted to make it affordable. The idea of like price gouging because it was a mask just was never right. anything that I, I really wanted to get involved in. And this is also, it's a craft. I wanted it to be something that is fun, but I want it to be accessible to everyone. And so that's part of what took so long. It's funny, not funny, but we were on Poshmark the other day and we see that like people are trying to resell the mask <laughs> for double the price on Poshmark. And, like, oh my gosh, oh. for double the price. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's like a it's like a compliment. Yeah, it's like a compliment. You know, but I'm like, that's really not what we wanted to do. We wanted right. to get it like something that would be really accessible. And that's really part of what took so long. But yes, I mean, our background in really helping people develop products themselves was really kind of what made this work out so well. And I have to say, this was brave of you because you took this jump and this leap at a time when we had no idea that we would still be in masks nine months from the time you started. So we are, I mean, we were, and we still are, but I mean, we'll be for probably a while, but we didn't know that at the time. So how did you take that risk? I didn't see it as much of a risk. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you why, because my personal feelings were, this is not something that's just going to go away. And even if it goes away, it's something that people are going to need to feel protected and feel some sense of security. And that was my feeling about it. So I kind of just went with my gut on what that would be. And, And it was a risk. And I will say that even the stores that distributed, some of them were reluctant to bring it in because it was, some of them were bringing it in at the time that it was just January. And obviously coming into 2021, I think everyone had this perception of, okay, the calendar year is going to change and that everything's going to go back to normal. (laughs) And everybody was really pulling back on that. And so now it's, I think everyone's kind of coming back around, but yeah, it was definitely a, a big risk. I just really thought that this was going to be something, unfortunately, that was going to be part of our new norm, at least for a while. It's such a great idea because in the schools, I mean, most schools probably, I don't actually, I don't know if it's most, but many schools have to, the children are wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And I know at my kids' school, some of the younger ones, they don't want to wear them. So this gives them something fun and something to look forward to about it. It makes it more of a positive thing. Is that your idea? Yeah, absolutely. Now we're offering classroom packs Mm. that are big enough for a classroom or like some of the schools can order in bulk because of that. And the other good thing about it is that when a child designs it, they know whose mask is whose. Mm. So if for any reason, there's like, you know, I kind of like the idea that my kid's mask is my kid's mask. Yeah. So it's been good. Yeah. But, you know, having it in schools, I know my kids are so not fans of it at all, even though they're getting used to it. The great thing about this one, though, and, and the feedback that we've gotten is that it's amazingly breathable. Mm-hmm. It's not like one of those like very heavy cloth masks. Yeah. It's good for during the day. I'm hoping that this is not a forever thing, right? And that I can just say that this was a really great thing that we did because we saw the opportunity and then and then it was over because yeah. that's what we all want. But you know, for the time being, I think it, it's something that serves its purpose and hopefully brings a little joy to the process if you have to go through it. Well, let's talk about that. Do you have any other products that you're planning? I don't have any current products that I'm planning right now. I think that as a marketing company, we have so many things that are happening. 
it was kind of that beginning of COVID time where we yeah. were inundated, but not in the same way that we were before. So I had a little extra time on my hands. <laughs> Whereas yeah, it's um, a good project in many ways. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't have that luxury most of the time. Like I said, I am, you know, this is part of what we do for other companies. So I mean, I've got ideas all the time. It's just having the time to implement them. Yeah, if only, you know, I believe me, I understand. So when you were trying to first get this off the ground, what was your biggest challenge? What do you say? Sourcing was a challenge. It was really getting to the right pricing, the right designs, getting distribution of the product, working with the right companies, Mm -hmm. putting all those things into play was definitely, I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, the idea was there. The designs. I'm lucky enough. I have a marketing team at my disposal. Yeah. So we can design, develop packaging. We can do all of those things really very quickly and very effectively. But it's really just the systems you need to go through with each distributor and each store mm-hmm. and all of the legwork that goes behind that and all of, you know, and then making sure that deliveries are done on time. And, you know, it's just the logistics, I would say, that's really the most time consuming. Yeah, the logistics can be crazy. I can I can attest to that from, from the boots. Well, Amy, let's hear a little bit about your company and actually just about your history. Did you always know that you wanted to get into marketing or is it something you discovered later after after you were working? I did not know. I guess I was always kind of a natural marketer. I was in college, I was floundering. I always worked as like a server and a bartender and I've always just been kind of like one of those people that can talk and do all of that kind of fun stuff and kind of just was able to see, I think, what made sense to me on a marketing Mm -hmm. end if I were to think about it. So, but one day I just was like, you know, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I want to do yet, but college, I was not getting what I needed from that. And I didn't want to, I was definitely not going to be a server or bartender forever, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I wanted to be. So my dad said to me, he was like, you know what, maybe you should try getting into sales. And so I started, I went and it was like pouring, pouring rain outside. It was like a monsoon in Miami. And I went and I put in my resume and I waited like all afternoon to get in. And I put in my resume and I was totally underqualified, but I got a job at Clear Channel. Mm -hmm. I trained there and I sold radio for a few years there and I moved up there. And then I went to Beasley Broadcasting and I worked down there. I've worked kind of across the board in many different areas between the radio side and the television side throughout my career and on sales, on retention marketing. You know, I kind of did the whole gamut throughout my career. Then I had my daughter and I worked a lot on the agencies with the agency side too. And I had my daughter and I was just like, you know, I think that I'm ready to start making money for myself because I felt like a lot of what I was doing was what I would have been doing anyway if I had my own company. I was just doing it for everybody else. So I started Nicholas Marketing and I started on the consulting side. I obviously was going in. I didn't have a whole team behind me, but I did very well consulting with all different size companies. And I slowly realized, actually I realized very early on, but slowly was able to integrate my own team because I realized that outsourcing everything to multiple different people who didn't work together and kind of trying to run that was where so many things would fall apart. Mm. So many people just, they want to outsource some things and some things other places. And, you know, just as far as like freelancing and one-on-one, it was easier for me to have my own team to, to make sure that like whatever deliverables I was committing to, to the client were actually, I was able to deliver on those because those would be on, on me. And 
the way I wanted to structure my company was really is just an extension of anybody's company that we were working with. So we started in that capacity and we still work that way, actually, um, even with our much larger clients that have their own in-house marketing teams, but they need an extension of their marketing team. So the idea is that you get a marketing team without having to put an entire marketing team on payroll. So yeah. that's worked out very well. I will say that I've been through the gamut of those beginning sieges of over the past you know, 11 years in the beginning of like finding the right people and going through the trials and tribulations of not having you know, the best employees or all of those little mistakes that, you know, you make, whether it's hiring, whether it's thinking that you needed somebody in one position and you really needed them in the other. But I kind of, I've been very, very lucky in that I have an amazing team right now. And I mean, it took me years to get there, but, you know, over the past few years, we've grown so much. Really, I attribute that to the team. When you are hiring, when you're you have a new position to fill or you need to replace someone, how do you know it's the right person? It's funny that you say that. So over the past three years, I implemented this where I really want people who want to be part of the team that are hungry, that are ambitious and that are creative, but that really understand about like carrying their own load and being there for everybody else on the team. And that's very difficult to find. Because I can teach some skills, but I can't teach character and I can't teach work ethic. So what we do now is that I don't actually hire anybody right off the bat. If you want to work on our team, we give you a 90-day opportunity to work as a contractor for us. Mm. And you work in-house for us as a contractor. And if at any point in that time, if we either party feels that it's not working then we can part ways on good terms. If at the end of the 90 days, we feel that you're a good fit, then you're hired, but not until that point. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the show Mad Men, so I can't really speak to that, but <laughs> I'm just curious about the state of women in this industry and in PR. Have you heard of it being still a male-dominated field or do you feel like it's evened out? I think it's evened out a lot because you know, on the creative side, ownership wise, I would say that it's probably a little bit more male dominated still, but I think that's changing pretty quickly. It just takes a while. It takes a long time to build a business. Yeah. It's not something as easy as just kind of starting it one day. So there's a lot of men, I think, that have had a lot more longevity in the field as far as ownership. You know, I was lucky enough to have started this like 11 years ago. Yeah. I've had my share of longevity in it, but I think that there's definitely more and more women every day that are doing this. And I would say that on the creative side, almost every single person in my office is a woman. I have yeah. probably 5% men that work for me. Interesting. Yeah. That's just by circumstance. That is it? absolutely by circumstance. It's just, yeah. which is so funny because I was, I make a joke all the time because I'm like, I was such like a guy's girl in the sense of like, I had all like guy friends growing up. I just was like, ugh, like I just couldn't deal with the drama and the whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and I would like kick around in like jeans and a t-shirt. I didn't care. And now I'm like surrounded by women. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so it's kind of a, it's kind of funny. What would be your advice for people who are looking to get into the field from the beginning? I think that it's really important to not think that you know everything. Yeah. Most of the people that we meet that are like right out of school, you know, it's great that they've learned some skills in school. But when you come into it in real life, 
and you have to actually implement those things, you see things work at a very different pace. And just kind of having an open mind, because things change so frequently in our field, the expectations, algorithms, I mean, everything we need to do changes on the daily. So I would say just really have an open mind of consistent learning. I think that's probably number one. The other one I would say is if you're coming in to our field, just do it humbly and really want to do it, you know, have that kind of hunger behind you because that's really what takes you from being the person that's just kind of like the task person to the person that other people rely on. And that's when you grow. So that would probably be those two things I think would probably be the things that if I were just coming into this, I would say, make sure to pay attention to. That makes sense. I feel like some schools do better than others at teaching the soon-to-be graduates that they do have to prove themselves. It's not just that you get a degree and that means you're instantly entitled to the best job and, you know, to just get right into your career. Like, I think some people do graduate with that feeling, but some schools do like a better job. The people that work for me definitely have that mindset. Yeah. Most of the people that work for me now, I mean, are at a higher level than just right out of school. Mm -hmm. But the people that we do have that are right out of school are definitely, they have that kind of mentality. So absolutely, it's not every person that does that. But, you know, I have people that just graduated and they're like, how come you're not, I don't understand. They're asking for $100,000 and they're looking (laughs) at me like I'm crazy. Like they deserve that. Like they Googled it and that's what they should make. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, (laughs) we got to (laughs) talk. Yeah. What's the future of Nicholas PR, Amy? What's on the horizon? We've been continuing to grow. I mean, year over year, it's been great. I'd love to continue on that path. Our clients are awesome. We've gotten to a point and our client that the clients that we have, I mean, all of our clients, whether they're small or big are are great, but you know, some of the clients that we've been able to grow into on a national level, we would like to continue in that direction. We've been able to do so much for them, which is very rewarding and says a lot about what our growth has been. So Mm -hmm. to be able to continue to do that and to do it successfully would be my goal. Also, you know, I like the size of our current team. I think that expanding would be great. I'd like to only expand at the scale that would be absolutely necessary. One of the biggest questions people ask me is like, what's the hardest thing about your job? And I'll tell you, it's probably just managing people. Yeah. We've kind of learned to grow at scale as we need to and in the right ways and put the right people in place. So growing at scale, I think would be and scaling at the right level would be what we want to do, obviously. Yeah. Okay. And where can our listeners get in touch with you, Amy? Well, they can reach me at amy at nicholasmarketing.com. And by the way, it's Nicholas, like Jack Nicholas, the golfer, like N-I-C-K-L-A-U-S marketing.com. You can check out the Doodle Mask at doodlemask.fun. And I also have a website, amynicholas.com. If you needed to learn any more about me and you can contact me through there too. Were you just asking your team? Yeah, I totally was. <laughs> I just looked over and I'm like, well, someone will tell me. <laughs> That's great. Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on, Amy. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to share this with us. The doodle mask is very cool. I can't wait to get these for my kids. I know they're going to love them. Well, we'll definitely send you some. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.